You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. We return to the same story we heard last week from Luke chapter 24 back on the road to Emmaus to view this encounter from another perspective. Last time, we watched what happened from afar as observers of the story, able to see what the two disciples could not see until their eyes were opened. Today, however, we're going to walk a mile in their sandals. We will take the perspective of the disciple named Cleophas and his unnamed companion so that we can appreciate this encounter, if you will, from the inside. Today, we are going to imagine ourselves in this story as just two disciples who are struggling to perceive God in our midst. So here we are, walking, leaving Jerusalem on the very same day that a few women, fellow disciples like us, have discovered an empty tomb. This surprising discovery has not lessened our grief over all that we have perceived we have lost. Today is without question the worst day of our lives. Our whole world has been shattered by something that has gone horribly wrong. The one whom we had followed, the one for whom we dropped everything in order to dedicate our lives to him is dead. And he met his end by a horrible and shameful public execution, naked, battered and bruised, accursed on a cross, In the death of Jesus, his humiliating crucifixion and his burial in a cold grave, something has died in us as well. All we had expected has not only failed to happen, everything which we invested our lives in has come to an end. It's over. From our perspective, there's no silver lining to be found in the story from these women of the vision of some angels before an empty tomb. All that means to us, all we can relate to, is the emptiness, because that's how we feel, empty inside. Yeah, the tomb is empty, sure, great, but Jesus is not here, Jesus is gone. And if there's any doubt about how just completely distraught we are, the full extent of our brokenness becomes clear as we vent to some stranger we meet along the seven mile journey of our despair. The death of our dreams is summed up with these words that we just keep repeating to that stranger on the road. We had hoped, we had hoped. We had invested our hopes in this one called Jesus, but Jesus was not who we had hoped he would be, the Christ, the Messiah. We had hoped, that says it all, doesn't it? Had hoped, past tense. Now, here in the present, we have no hope. We are hopeless. So we are getting out of Jerusalem, getting away from it all, distancing ourselves from our pain and our suffering, burying our grief under our feet with each step we take towards Emmaus, a place that's never been found, but still a place that's anywhere but here. Here we are going nowhere. And along comes this stranger, 
this stranger who amazingly doesn't know what just happened back there in Jerusalem. He doesn't know what happened, but then he doesn't hesitate in trying to take us to church, to open up the Bible and teach us what it all means. Who does this guy think he is anyway? (laughs) The nerve of some people. Although we have to admit, as this stranger speaks to us, it's weird, right? It's like our hearts are burning inside. The hairs on the back of our heads are standing up. We've got goosebumps as this mystery guest effortlessly expounds on the scriptures as he carefully takes us all the way through the law and the prophets. Whereas before we met this guy, we had no hope. We felt like the walking dead. As he keeps talking, hope begins to rise within us. We're starting just a little bit to feel alive again. We thought this was going to be the longest walk of our lives, marred by our grief. And now it's become one of those moments, you know, where the time has passed and we didn't even realize it. We lost count of all the miles that we walked as he talked to us. We failed to notice as the sun started to go down. We found ourselves surprised as suddenly we ended up at our planned destination. And this compelling stranger starts to make his goodbyes to us. As he plans on keeping going into the night, we stop, we we urge him to stay, we, we invite him to our table, and he gratefully accepts. And so we prepare to eat a good meal after a long day. We're hungry. (laughs) We thirst after a hike like that one. But as this stranger oddly becomes the host of the meal, taking the bread, giving thanks for it, breaking it, and giving it to us, suddenly a deeper hunger and thirst within us become satisfied. In that moment, our eyes are opened. This This is no stranger among us. This is Jesus. The one who died is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus is here. Jesus has been with us all along the way. In the dawn of this realization, Jesus disappears from our sight. Earlier today, that might have left us confused and wounded. But now we see things differently. As we reflect upon our time on the road, our journey with Jesus He has given us understanding. We now know that death has been put to death. We now know that hope does indeed spring eternal. We now know that forgiveness is everlasting, that love conquers all, that grace is ours to share. And so we get up. We don't sleep on it. We don't wait. We know where Jesus is going. And we are intent on following him. In the dead of night, After a full day's hike, we are empowered by the Spirit to follow Jesus all the way back to Jerusalem and eventually to Judea, to Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Just like that, our perspective is reversed. What began as the worst day of our lives ended up becoming, thanks to Jesus, our best day ever. What we believed was the end of the world as we know it, was in fact, by the grace of God, the beginning of something new. The beginning of something new in us, the beginning of a new world. 
There are two insights I want us to draw from looking at this story from the inside, from the perspective of these two disciples. Two insights. First, we often recognize the presence and the work of Jesus in our lives in hindsight rather than in the moment. We can all relate to this story because this is the journey of faith. Ours is a journey of faith because we tend to find ourselves, like these disciples, walking with more questions than answers, with lots of doubts, even in the midst of our convictions. More often than we'd like, we find ourselves, like these disciples, on the road marked by suffering, of unmet expectations, of repeated disappointments, unanticipated sorrows. Sometimes the direction our life is taking seems inevitably pointed in retreat, walking slowly into a future that we dread or fear farther and farther away from joy, peace, justice. Sometimes we feel like we have no energy for anything. We can't gain any traction, any positive momentum at all. Each step we take, it's like walking through quicksand. It's labored. We struggle to put one foot in front of the other. My friends, am I not describing the pandemic shuffle? The walk that is COVID-19, three steps forward, two steps back, feeling like we're walking in place. Some of us wanting to get off the treadmill. Others of us ready to run headfirst into the future, virus be damned. But the good news, we must not forget, the gospel that needs to guide our steps right now is whether we see him at first or not. We encounter a God in Christ who particularly comes to find us in moments like these, in those places of hopelessness and loss. We worship a God who walks beside us and can transform even the seasons of our deep sorrow and loss into a journey where we can find hope, where we can find new life, resurrection life. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about being on a journey of faith with Jesus. The hope we seek, the direction we crave, the resolution we want doesn't tend to come when we demand it or even how we envision it to be delivered. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I'll be honest both fascinates me and frustrates me about this story is that Luke tells us it wasn't just that Cleophas and his companion couldn't see Jesus. Did you catch this? But that they were kept from seeing. They were kept from seeing. The implication is the Holy Spirit prevented them from seeing right away. Jesus prevented them from recognizing him initially. Why on earth would God do that? Maybe because God wants us to stop seeing things from our perspective and instead to adopt his. Notice this story begins with these two disciples sharing quite strongly, nearly rebuking the stranger before them, what they perceived was going on, what they saw, how they saw things. It's only once they were done, it's only once they had reached the end of what they believed they were seeing, that Jesus then began to show them through the scriptures an entirely different perspective. My friends, sometimes God keeps us from seeing him because we are not ready to recognize him, because the spirit is working to correct our vision. And here's the encouragement in this. If Jesus kept them from seeing, that means it wasn't their fault. 
It wasn't that these two disciples didn't try hard enough to see Jesus. It just wasn't time yet for them to see. And that's good news for you and me. For those of us having a hard time sensing the presence and the work of the Spirit right now, it might not be that we're doing it wrong. It might just be that it's not yet time for us to see. But that doesn't mean that the Lord isn't in the midst of shaping our vision of things to come and preparing to open our eyes. So if we can't see it right now, I want you to hear this. That's okay. Instead of charging ahead with the little we think we know, let's slow down and wait for the Lord to reveal himself. Because we're often surprised. We frequently recognize Jesus in hindsight. And the answers that we think we have now are never as clear, they're never as good as the answers that come when Christ enables us to see him. At the table, as their eyes were opened, Jesus wasn't just giving them bread. Jesus was giving them back themselves, their lives, now with and in him. As Jesus broke the bread, something in these two disciples broke open. With the breaking open of their lives, they were also being put back together in Jesus. Jesus fed them, not just with bread, but with himself, with his body, his life, his love, his compassion, his strength, his forgiveness, his hope. Jesus fed them with all that he is and all that he has. Their life was being restored in their being broken open. As they go with Jesus from the word to the table, as a Bible study along the road becomes a sacramental meal, something eye-opening also becomes something life-changing. And just like that, a story that starts with slow steps of the depressed and cast down ends up becoming the excited running of the redeemed and the joy, the joy of finding life transformed. And so it can be for each of us, for all of us together as well. Right now, in the midst of this present leg of our journey of faith, my friends, Jesus is breaking open our lives. Jesus is breaking open our world in ways we could never have imagined or done for ourselves. And despite how it feels or what we think, our brokenness in Christ is not an ending. With Jesus, when Christ is with us and working in and through us, there is so much more to it than we often see or know. There is not just brokenness, a shattering. There is a breaking open to new life, a new way of seeing, to a new recognition of how we can be together in community, to new possibilities in the future for our good and the good of all. There's just one more thing we need to recognize about this encounter, though. While the grace of God is, as always, the catalyst for what happens here, we cannot fail to notice this breakthrough also happens because these two worn-out pilgrims live out of the faith they have been given. Let us not lose sight of the fact that until the very end, the big reveal, Jesus is the stranger in this story. And Jesus this stranger to them is prepared to continue on his way. 
It is through the act of hospitality, of inviting another person into their lives to come under their roof, to sit and break bread at their table, that these disciples finally come to realize it is Jesus. It's no stranger that Christ has been with them the whole time. And this brings us back to the question of why Jesus keeps them at first from seeing him. And maybe it's because Jesus wants them, wants us to see, to learn how we can recognize him. What if? What if they hadn't asked him to stay? Do you ever wonder that? What if they had let Jesus continue on his way? Think of it this way. Lots of people in the Gospels heard Jesus teach with authority, right? They saw Jesus perform signs and wonders. Many looked directly at Jesus, but most of them didn't recognize who he was, that God was in their midst. Rather, they often remarked, as we hear in the Gospel accounts, who is this? My friends, we recognize who Jesus is as we lean into the way of Jesus, the difference between our faith, faith somehow as being our possession, is a faith that's a, a faith in our expectation, faith in our game plan, faith in our script for salvation, faith in a Messiah who fits the job descriptions we create. The difference between that kind of faith, what we might call our faith, the difference between that and the faith of Jesus Christ, of God's faith in us, of God's gift of faith to us, the difference is living out of his expectations rather than ours, operating according to his game plan versus our own, working out a salvation that saves us, not so that we can be fat and happy and go back about our lives the way they were before, but so that we can become, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can become lifeguards, lifesavers, ambassadors of his kingdom, agents of his salvation for the individual and for all creation. My friends, God has befriended us so that we would befriend one another. God seeks after us so that we would seek and pursue each other. God comes to us in Christ as a stranger, someone who we don't know or recognize at first. And we see Jesus and we keep seeing Jesus Christ's presence to us, Christ's work in us, continues to be revealed every time we extend hospitality to another. We recognize Jesus when we move from the word to the table, from reading the scriptures to breaking the bread, not by ourselves, but through inviting others to join us. Like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we continue to walk this journey of faith. And like them, we are weary with grief. And we are also convinced of what we think we know right now. And many of us are headed in the direction that we believe is best for us. But along the way, we may encounter a stranger, the voice, the perspective, the life of someone we don't recognize of someone it might be easy to dismiss or even leave behind for all sorts of reasons. But if we listen, if we are willing to learn, if we let the spirit kindle the fire of hospitality within us, of an open door and a shared table, we shouldn't be surprised if the one we didn't first recognize 
the one who we viewed cautiously as a stranger, is in fact the very God we were seeking. This same Jesus who we were trying to follow. And as he opens up the scriptures to us, and as he gives us the bread, we might suddenly find ourselves broken open, broken open in the midst of our despair, broken open in the midst of all this loss, in the midst of all this death, broken open to a new life, broken open to resurrection life that has been, that already is at work in us. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll stop going our own way. We'll stop lamenting and protesting based on what we think we know. And instead, we'll start running his way, yielding the assertion of our rights, of our self-interest for the sake of the safety, protection, and benefit of all God's children. Because that's the way of the Jesus we follow. Amen. 